begun studying Ecclesiastes, which is one of the most unique and intriguing books in the Bible. King Solomon is reflecting on some of his backsliding years, and he's going to try to convince you to live with an eternal perspective by proving to you how meaningless life is without God at the center. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we're reminded to look to Jesus for our joy and purpose in life. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for your wonderful love and the Holy Spirit. We depend on you, Holy Spirit, to open up our hearts to your living word. Lord, these truths, we are spiritually discerned, as the word says, and we need your spirit to help us, Lord. So speak to our hearts. You have ordered our footsteps. Each and every life has been destined to be here under this roof, hearing these words for a God-intended purpose. So help that purpose be realized tonight as we not just hear and appreciate, but we put it into practice. In Christ's name, amen. So I've taught through most of the Bible, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and sometimes I'll get a question, what was your favorite book to teach through? And uh, I believe the answer to that would be Proverbs. And so I really enjoyed that more than I ever imagined. It was very challenging. Uh, But what I liked about it was that every conceivable aspect of life gets talked about. And so that was fun. Uh, A close second, or perhaps even a tie, uh, would be the book of Revelation. And uh, because it's matchless in its intrigue, right? It's fascination, relevance. It's like reading the morning news. And (laughs) in some ways, it's just the grandeur that just cannot be matched. And so the most challenging uh, book really for me was 1 John, which should surprise most of you because 1 John is so uh, simple, And the problem with 1 John for preachers is that he uses what's called circular logic. And so he'll make a simple statement, and then he'll restate it, come around again, and add a little bit more. And then he'll restate that, come around again, restate it, and then add a little bit more. And that's really hard on a preacher to (laughs) to keep coming uh, Sunday after Sunday. right? And so... Uh, Oh, thank you for that. (laughs) A close second, and maybe even a tie, would be our beloved Ecclesiastes. The preacher, that's what it means, the preacher. And here's why. The major premise of the book, meaningless meaninglessness, the emptiness of life, is the premise, and and what it is is really what I've come to call an anointed bad attitude. So (laughs) God is using a, a man who's diminished in his devotion to God and therefore has a diminished worldview, kind of fatalistic, uh, you know, but he's using it. He's he's teaching us. Man, you, you want to avoid that kind of miserable, futile experience uh, by being close to God and walking with him. And so, you know, life is unfair. He, he, he likes to talk about how unfair the inequitable nature of life and how, I mean, you can work hard all your life, he says. You save up all your money. You're wise with all of your affairs. And then you die. And then a, some relative who's lazy and, and not very wise but foolish comes in and gets everything you worked hard for. So he, he likes to point these things out that without an eternal perspective, if we don't have a God who's working all things together for our good, if we don't have a Savior and it ends at the grave, wow, you work hard, life is hard, and then you die. 
So what's the point, he keeps asking. And so that's why it's been hard, uh, chapter uh, by chapter, uh, to kind of add the gospel and bring a balance so that we don't leave depressed after a chapter in Ecclesiastes. Amen? Amen. All right, so um, we are uh, headed to finish out the book uh, tonight with a short chapter 11 and uh, a short chapter uh, uh, 12. And so with the Lord's help, we are going to take a look at that. And uh, you'll recall that Solomon has divided his treaties, uh, as it were, his uh, journey, his journal of trying to find life uh, meaningful without a relationship with God, and the, into two parts. The chapters uh, one through six uh, were about um, his calculated search for that meaning and contentment, even though he's distant from God, and he came up with a big fat zero. And then uh, chapter 7 through 12, and we get to 11 and 12 tonight, uh, has, has been some advice. Even though you're in a bad situation, you know, life is, is terribly uh, frustrating, here are some things you can do to kind of make it less arduous, a little less tedious, and a little more enjoyable. So the last part has been more wisdom and advice, and we're going to pick that up there. So tonight, chapters 11 and 12, he's concluding now. And there are four lessons. He wants to give you four takeaways, right? And so we're going to start out now in chapter 11 as we're kind of landing the plane uh, with a first lesson and lesson number one, his takeaway as we get started here, uh, will be verses one through six. And the title would be, uh, the takeaway is this, life is uncertain. You're going to have to take some risks. All right, so there's some proverbs that talk about this in the first six verses. So life is uncertain. It's not predictable. So you're going to have to, in New Testament terms, step out in faith a little bit. So let's start chapter 11. Versus just what we're going to go through uh, slowly and kind of uh, glean for some insight. So he says, cast your bread upon the waters for after many days you'll find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And then once again, you see his kind of jaundiced uh, outlook on life. That even when he's giving you some enthusiastic advice, he comes up with, "Cause uh, do this because you don't know what kind of disaster is coming your way. And that's kind of how he thinks, you know. And by the way, when you don't have the Lord, you know, you live with that kind of insecurity and perhaps that kind of outlook. And so, yes, he says now here before you in verses 1 and 2, uh, there are risks. There's uncertainty in this uh, life. So you got to step out in faith. So verse 1 has gone viral in the world. So everybody knows about cast your bread upon the water. That it will come back after many days. It will come back to you. And usually the idea that the world thinks that it means is that it, in a call to be charitable, that and if you give, it will be given back to you as Jesus taught us in Luke chapter 6. But um, it is true. And I, I, you could make that application here. But that's not what his... Uh, foremost thought and intention would be uh, it doesn't fit the context. What he is saying is in your personal ventures, how you conduct your life, your business uh, dealings, don't let, let risk paralyze you from engaging in life. Don't um, be uh, hesitant uh, to take some risks in life. Uh, here's what he's saying. Verse 2, it says, send out your uh, grain in ships. So months later, your patience and your faith will be rewarded and you'll get a return for the investment of engaging, even though, listen, so casting your bread upon the water, sending your grain abroad, trading is the original idea there. And so um, a lot can go wrong after uh, the ship goes over the horizon with your 
grain, your precious cargo. And a lot of people would say, you know, there's just too many. There's pirates out there. There's storms out there. There's vermin, little vermin that can get in the cargo boxes and eat all of the grain and spoil all the grain. And so he's saying, listen, life is like that. But you still have to take some steps of faith and despite the uh, risk, uh, engage life or you're going to miss out. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, no risk, no reward is the idea here. And then when he says send seven or eight cargo ships, really, he's saying don't put all your eggs in one basket. All right, that's really what he's saying. He's saying... uh, For example, invest in vocational training. You may get the job that you want. You may not. Uh, Marry the Christian woman or the Christian man. Uh, Yes, painful things happen when you get married. And yes, somebody can wake up and say, you know what? I love you, but I'm not in love with you. (laughs) You know how much I hate that, right? Uh, that doesn't make sense. You can't be in love. You can't love somebody and not uh, be in love with them because love, biblical love, is a, is not a feeling. It's the will and an act, a decision. Right. So anyway, I digress as usual. Uh, 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 go ahead and have the children. You know. Uh, yes, your your heart is going to break many times and yeah maybe war will happen or uh, yeah terrible world to to bring children into but he's saying you can't deprive yourself of what god says will be a future blessing or a gift and i'm not just talking about kids i'm talking about whatever it is out there when it goes away from you and goes over the horizon oh no you know things can go wrong and he's saying listen by putting your foot on the brake yeah you're, you're probably going to avoid a collision of some sort, you know, but you're also going to stop your life from going forward. And then Solomon would say, and by the way, just because you're parked doesn't mean you won't get rear-ended, you know? So, <laughs> right? So that's my problem with Ecclesiastes is because I have to start thinking like that, you know? And uh, so, yeah, moving on. Three and four. These are along the same lines. Now, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it is. (laughs) That's a fun one, by the way. Uh, uh, Verse 4, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Okay, so more. uh, Move forward. Get on with your life despite having very little control. See, so he's saying... The dynamics that go around you on this planet in God's cosmos are way bigger than you. Now, you may think that you can dot all your I's and cross all your T's and get your life under good order. That if you do A, B, and C, then D, E, and F is going to follow. But he's going to try to dissuade you from that erroneous way of thinking. So he says, storms come, it rains, even in June. Go ahead and plan your wedding for June. And and go ahead and run an algorithm on all the days in June for the last 50 years and pick the day that you're sure that there's no rain there because you're in charge, you're in control, you did the work, you did the math. You call the weather channel. You know, right? And I'm just telling you, from Solomon's point of view, that will be the one day that it rains. And you're not going to stop it. When the clouds are full and it wants to rain, the forces are of, and God's scheme of things, what God is allowing, how God is working is way bigger than you. And you're just going to have to chill out a little bit. So you can't stop the trees from toppling. So build your cabin anyway, you know? Because if you're waiting to look around at all the trees, and what do you think is going to, which way would it fall? You know, he's saying, you know what? It's going to fall. And it won't matter if it's north or south, east or west. And if you can figure it all out, you know what? It's going to fall. And cautioning, here's what he's doing. He's saying he's cautioning us against an over-analytical life. 
trying to manage and control every little aspect is not self-protective, it's self-defeating. So he's saying, go ahead, you know, watch the wind and gaze at the clouds and try to figure it all out. You're never going to get anything done. Uh, you know, God has a design. Life ebbs and it flows. The happy and the sad, the highs and the lows, the good and the bad is going to happen. You're going to have to live by faith. Now, I like this about... Now, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. If we keep on observing, if we keep on observing our circumstances, rather than trusting God, in the end it shall be disobedience on our part. If God bids me so, but I do not because the wind might blow the seed away. If God bids me harvest, but I do not, I do not reap because there are dark clouds coming and I might get wet out there. Ultimately, this shall be called disobedience. And then he goes on to say, sowing uh, in his sermon entitled, Sowing in the Wind, Reaping Under Clouds, Spurgeon says, observing circumstance over trusting God results in unbelief, rebellion, foolish fear, and idleness. Listen, in my own life, uh, something God used this kind of idea. Um, I was, oh, about five months out of a bone marrow transplant. I didn't fit in anymore in my last ministry. I was an associate pastor really doing nothing. And God used that to make, cause me to want to plant a church. And so I went to a pastor's conference. I had no, no I was on disability still. I still wasn't fully recovered. My kids were young teens. And I went up to the speaker, who's pretty famous in Calvary Chapel circles, uh, John Corson. And I grabbed him afterwards, and I, I told him what was going on. I have to make a decision whether I should just step out in faith. And I told him all the situation. And I said, but my kids are young, and I just had a bone marrow transplant, and I don't have a lot of money. I'm on disability. And he said, there will never be a right time. There'll never be a right time. And he said, do it. Do it. Stop waiting. There's never going to be a right time for you to have kids, for you to, uh, uh, you know, plan your wedding, to do, do you know, all of this stuff. Now, I'm not saying throw caution to the wind and be dumb, right? <laughs> I am saying, you know, look, we want to avoid this look. I don't know if you have that with, uh, yeah. See... <laughs> This, my friend, is what Solomon's talking about. The deer in the headlights. Okay, it says your chest. You want to know what happens to deer in the middle of the street who get that look on their face? That's what he's saying. He's saying, stop it. You can't control it. Ebb and flow. Bend. Be flexible. Step out. Let God be God. Amen. Give him back his job. Amen. <laughs> If you've taken it away. All right, five and six. Well, yeah, five. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed inside a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So reality check here. No offense, he's saying, but you're not as smart as you may think you are, so stop living like it's all up to you or you'll be sorely disappointed. So, uh, so he's saying here, you know, you, you're going to have to chill because you're a little bit like Mr. Magoo, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, you, you're, you're driving around. You're really blind. You don't know. You can't, you can't know things. God made us finite. He knows everything. That's why we have a God and a Savior and a Lord that we have to start the day with saying, I am desperate for you. I don't know what this day holds. I, I have breath that's on loan from you. I don't know 
how my body is, is, is maintaining itself. I don't know a lot of things. And so he's saying, you don't know the direction of the wind. It just goes, blows this way and that way. You don't know how a half cell from your mom and a half cell from your dad formed one cell called a zygote. And that zygote was you. And that was one solitary cell for 90 minutes. You were one cell. So try to figure that out, even with all of our science, that that one cell knew how by itself to form into a multi-system, 100 trillion celled human being. He says, you don't know. You don't know what you think you know. So he's just saying, listen, we can see and feel the wind blow. We can watch the fetus grow with the technology. We see God at work in the world, but you know, you're going to try to explain why he allows what he allows? Good luck with that, he's saying. He's saying, you, you need a life that is dependent on God, and you've got to stop trying to run your own life because it's not going to work that way because you're limited. And so, yeah, thanks to the scriptures, we do have a general idea what he's doing. He's reconciling the world to himself, but the I, you know, the way he goes about it, it's mysterious. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths, the way he is, the way he takes beyond figuring out. So he says, uh, work hard. Uh, go ahead and, and give us verse six now. Sow your seed in the morning, at evening, let not your hands be idle, for you don't know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And so he's saying, listen, uh, work hard, be industrious. Uh, you, you don't know, have a lot of things, have contingency plans. You, know? you don't know whether your PR job or the jewelry that you handcraft or the, the, the rugs you braid or your food blog is going to take off. You just don't know. So it's good to be industrious. Have contingency plans. Enjoy life. Love the Lord. Serve him. Move forward and let the chips or the trees <laughs> or the rains fall as they may because the gospel says it's win-win with the Lord. Amen. All right, so the first takeaway was uh, life is uncertain in this journey, so step out in faith. And now the second one, verses 7 through 10, that we're going to look at now, is uh, life is short. It passes quickly, so enjoy. But more than enjoy, I think he's saying lay a good foundation when you're young. This is what he's saying. So here it is. Light, the light of life is sweet. It pleases the eye eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all, but let him remember the days of darkness, for there they will be many. <laughs> there he is. Everything to come is meaningless <laughs> without an eternal perspective. It's true. I mean, think about life without God. Think about going to a concert in Las Vegas. Think about going to church in Texas. You don't expect that. So he says that that's meaningless, right? Even with Christ, it's hard to understand. Be happy, young man, while you're young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, he's qualified that. It's not as, as hedonistic as it sounds. Uh, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. So then... Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. <laughs> what? <laughs> he does these statements that self-contradict. You know, ver uh, 1A says something enthusiastic and then 1B is the pin of pessimism and pokes that and then you're back to, to square one. So let's talk about this. So life is short, <laughs> you know, enjoy it, make a foundation firm when, while you can. 
So, uh, yeah, so it sort of reminds me of like a Piper Cub, Cub taking off, you know, those little Cessna aircrafts, you know, trying to gain altitude. He's like, and you think, oh, we're going up, and then, you know, that's how it, it works with him. So he's saying, uh, trust God, even Solomon's distant version of God, right? Work hard. The clock is ticking, young person. Uh, carpe diem, you know, seize the day. Enjoy your life, silly, especially when you're young. You know, could it be young forever? That's what he's saying. And that's what young people hear. And I always remember hearing that from people. Oh, it goes like that. Or, you know, somebody would stop when we got the little kids at a restaurant and somebody would pass by like a grandma and grandpa and they would say, oh, enjoy them now. It goes so fast. And I always thought, I know that's true, but it seems like a lifetime away. <laughs> and guess what, folks? It's here. <laughs> it arrived just on schedule. Fast quick and sooner than way sooner than I thought it was going to happen. But you, you know, if you're young today, you know, you're going to have those thoughts like it's way out there and the word of God is going to try to slap some sense into you tonight. <laughs> so he's saying, enjoy your life. Uh, you can't predict the direction of the wind. You can't prevent the trees from falling. You can't calculate the direction. You don't know what's going to work economically in your life, and you certainly can't figure out God's ways. But there's one thing that you can know. You are going to age, and you are going to die. <laughs> and if you're visiting tonight, welcome. <laughs> Maybe you just wanted to get out and get an encouraging word. <laughs> but see, you cannot live a wise life, a good life, or a joy-filled life unless you have a heavenly perspective of the end, unless you're making decisions today in light of the truth that time is ticking away and you have only a limited number of, of opportunities before you get older and die. That's the, the beauty of this truth that's so unattractive. It's so healthy for us, a little bit like chemotherapy. You know, it, it makes you sick and nauseous, but it cures what ails you, you know? <laughs> so let's go on here. So what you, what are you waiting for, you upper teens and you people in your 20s, okay? And those who are young at heart uh, in Jesus, because in Jesus, hope springs eternal, amen? Okay, <laughs> verses seven and eight. He's saying your body's strong, you're in good health, your brain is sharp, and you look and feel the best you ever will, by the way, <laughs> right now. And you can bounce back when you're in your 20s. Yeah, bounce back from anything. You're resilient, man, right? And he's saying, but time is on your side, but not for long. That's what he's saying. Here's a nice quote here. Solomon is saying, it's not that your best, that, that youth is your best time of life. It, it, it's unique in that not a lot of time has elapsed to clutter and frustrate you, and the whole world lies ahead of you, and at least physically, uh, you're at your optimal strength and energy to achieve your goals and your dreams. So if ever you want to squander your time, you cannot do it in your 20s. It is against God's laws. All right? He's saying, and, and this is what he's saying, that's the time you're most tempted to squander it, is when you, you, you are least able to do away with those years. Those years set the trajectory of your entire life. That's the time for your foundation building. And so he's saying the very temptation happens in your 20s and your late teens. And you can't do that because you have to have a mind that is wise and knows that time is short. So the idea here is that as we age, doors of opportunity may narrow, obligations begin to limit us, 
our strength physically uh, uh, diminishes. Uh, life uh, disappointments kind of weigh us down. So youth is a gift. So he says, seize the day. Now, how do you do that, young person? Number one, you flee youthful lusts because when you're young, you have unique benefits and you also have unique liabilities. And one of them is you guys have way too many hormones. All right, those hormones will get you into trouble. And that's why the Bible says you have to flee like from a raging fire. And instead of lustful things, you have to give yourself over to righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Number two, how do you seize the day when you're a young person? What's he saying? He's saying, uh, Timothy, do not let people look down on you because you're young. Rather, just say, you think I'm young? I'm going to set an example for the entire congregation, for people who are 50, 60, 70, and above. And he says, you say you be a role model, Timothy. That's what he says there, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. In your speech, in your behavior, in your love, your faith, and your purity. That's how you seize the day when you're a young person. Number three, uh, be wise, not foolish. You, you know, <laughs> young people are just prone to be lacking in discernment. Why? Because you have been around very long. And so you're easily duped by commercials where everybody's drinking beer and everybody looks happy and everybody has a new truck in their driveway. So you're, you're making the wrong connections there, all right? Use your youth to serve God, not to indulge yourself. You know, this is the time you have time. And I'll tell you what, historically, in the church, church history, young people do not have a reputation for being the most dependable or, or helpful, right? And so when you have the strength and you have the time, you have the availability, where are you? That's what the Bible's asking. Where are you? What are you doing? Just a question. <laughs> so he says, remember, uh, he says, follow your eyes. He doesn't mean do what, uh, what it may sound. He says, pursue your dreams. Go for it, man. But remember, and here's the moral condition there, you'll be accountable to God, you know? So why not ask God, all of us, what's your dream for me, God? And he says, uh, then go for it. Uh, here's a quote. Solomon may be backslidden. Um, his current ideas of the afterlife are obscured, but he hasn't fallen so far as to forget that God will have the last word. So he says, go for it, young man. Go for it, young lady. But keep your eye on the clock and keep your eye on God's commands. And so verse 10 says that one of those contradictory verses. So, uh, he says, so no worries. It's kind of hard to explain. No worries. Enjoy your youth without anxiety. Kind of have a carefree kind of thing because you're in the prime of your life, as it were. But he says, and here comes the pin, you know. He says, in the long run, even those good years eventually will be overshadowed by more difficult years. Uh, so what's the point? So he's saying, hey, live it up. You look good. You feel good. You've got energy. You know, you can still bend over and tie your shoelaces <laughs> without having palpitations. <laughs> he's saying, that, isn't that great? But don't worry. Soon you won't be able to. <laughs> and that's the problem with him. All right, here's the problem. Is he doesn't have a safe your. He doesn't have the gospel he, he didn't hear the angels say, hey, glory to God in the highest, peace to mankind upon those whom his favor rests. For this day in the city of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, which means God. He is God in human form, come to taste death for everyone. And so you know what it is? Even at Thanksgiving, 
a little sliver of turkey bone gets stuck in Solomon's throat. And what it, that is, is it's that we're going to get old and we're going to die. And he cannot get rid of it. So at Thanksgiving, at birthday parties, at weddings, he, he just can't enjoy life because he says, what good is it? He said, even when you're young and you got the world by the tail and you're going to Harvard and you're traveling, you're playing rugby in Europe for the summer, you're going to die. You're going to get old. You're going to stoop over, you know, in that beautiful body of yours. It's not going to be so beautiful anymore, right? That's his problem. He needs the gospel. But he's been worshiping at other idols. He's lost his way. And instead of looking forward to the things God has for us as we grow in maturity and grace, as we are inwardly renewed day by day with God's blessing, heading to a place where we want to be and look forward to, he can't get there. All he sees is the funeral parlor and some guy coming in and marrying one of his 7,000 wives. <laughs> okay, let's, let's try to get through this. <laughs> oh, we've got enough time. Let's do it. Chapter 12 goes on. It, it divides just into two parts. So this is part one, and there'll be part two. And done. It's pretty quick. So he continues the second lesson here up until verse 8, which you see on the screen. Life is short. Seize the day. Enjoy it while you can. Lay a foundation when able. So here it is. Okay, last chapter. Here we go. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and now here comes this beautiful poem about growing older. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of the heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred, then... <laughs> You guys are laughing at funny places. Uh, then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about in the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the, well broken, or the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Okay, so life is short. Seize the day. Build while you can. So true wisdom uh, with youth, right, comes the temptation to goof off, and he's saying, listen, you're going to meet God, right? So uh, keep that in mind. Keep reminding yourself. A, you have a creator. Now, this is news. He's saying, listen, you, you're not your own. You can't just do whatever you want and live how you want to live. You didn't will yourself into existence. You don't sustain yourself. Uh, your breath is given you. Your heartbeat, I mean, are you saying, come on, let's do this? Every, every second, that heart is working. Nobody even knows what is that electrical spark that keeps your heart going. That can freak you out. When you're listening to your heartbeat or your pulse at night with your head on the pillow, that's like, that's a lot of work for a heart. And, and why is it, you know, it can just stop like that. Well, he's saying you have a creator. That's his department. So you can't just go off and do your own thing. You're obligated to him. So remember him in the Hebrew 
It means to pay attention to somebody with the intention on obeying them. So not just a thought of remembrance, right? So he's saying when it's hardest to do that, that's when you most need to because God wants the best of your life. So he says, remember them when? When you're young. When you're young. And when you're old, obviously, right? So here comes verses two through five, poetic description of aging, very famous. And so he's saying there are difficult days ahead, and you, you need to know that so that you can lay the good spiritual foundation while you can. Now, aging has its challenges, as we're about to see here. There's a general description, really, because there are varying degrees of uh, experience with aging. A lot of people do well into their uh, higher years. I have an uncle who's 101. He only stopped driving a few years ago. Praise the Lord that he, <laughs> that he did stop driving. <laughs> But, you know, I just think, uh, you know, this will be the second sermon in a row. I, meant, I mentioned Max Dunn. But, uh, wow, right up to, to the end of his life, 90, how old was he? 95. 95, driving in his 90s and so, just so articulate. I went out to lunch and got a lot of wisdom uh, uh, often with that man. But he did quite well. And so it, this is just generally speaking, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago is when this writer is writing, Solomon, and it was a 1,000 times more difficult to age back then without the technologies, without the medicines, without the help, without the social services, without the comforts of the 21st century. Can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine? Wow, it was hard. And it's still no picnic, Right? So even in 2017, so Solomon wants us to sober up, and he wants to sober up his college-aged listeners especially to realize that the carefree days of youth and summer are going to lead to fall, which is going to lead to icy days of winter. Okay, so where, when you say, I have no pleasure in this, what, what do you have no pleasure in? Well, for one thing, I was sitting in a chair today. I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm a young old Man, all right? Well, oh yeah, I know you're looking at me like, oh, no, you're not, no, but, but, but I am. And uh, I was sitting in a chair for a long time in one position, and I got up, and my body was, like, in that position still, you know? For, like, five minutes, I'm like, okay, it's time to get out of that position now, you know? It just, I find no pleasure in that. I find no pleasure in sneezing and needing to go to a chiropractor just because I sneezed, right? I find no pleasure in driving a car and looking at my hands and thinking, dear Lord, I'm one rung from the grave. You know, just the, the change that happens. You know, you're looking in the mirror. Barb and I were looking in the mirror, you know, brushing our teeth or whatever. And, and I start going, honey, you're a seamstress. You could really do some, you could help me here. <laughs> I said, I'll just, you know, I'll just put something in my mouth and bite down. But you could just look, look, you could just take it up right here, you know. And uh, we have a lot of fun because we're right there. You know, we're just the reality at 58 years old. She's way younger than that. But she's in her 30s, aren't you, Barb? I thought she was over there. She left. <laughs> I don't blame her. Yeah, so you're going to end up, young person, it doesn't matter how good of shape you're in right now, you know. So let's analyze the poem because it's difficult. It's Hebrew, uh, ancient Hebrew at that. So he says, uh, he says, listen, get busy. Do your thing now, right? Before, verse 2, the lights in the sky growing dim. Of course, it's eyesight, okay? The clouds re return after the rain. He's saying, when you age, suddenly time just goes by so quick. And so the rainy season ends. And before you know it, when you're older, it's like, what? The rainy season's here again? How did Christmas just come? Uh, do you not? I'll prove this to you. Listen, summer vacation. Do you remember how long that was when you were young? It was forever. 
It was like a year. <laughs> you know what summer vacation did? Did we, uh, did we have summer? I don't even remember it. Yeah, we had a little bit of summer. That's what happens. That's what that verse is talking about there. So verse three, keepers of the temple or the house or the body are the arms and the hands that tremble. All right. And then uh, he goes on. The strong man stoops, osteoporosis, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if you're an Olympic diver and you're, uh, yeah, you got posture, you got a, a medal for your posture. You know what? You're going down. You're going down. <laughs> it's gonna happen, you know? Uh, uh, this one's funny the grinders. The grinders. What is that verse there? Verse three The grinders are teeth. Yeah, and they're few. And I find this funny because I have called teeth for a long time, years and years and years. I started with the kids, brush your chompers. I used to call them chompers, right? And little did I know that I was close to a Hebrew word there. It, they're the grinders, all right? And he says, you know what? It's diff difficult to chew and enjoy food when you're missing some of the grinders, all right? And that's what he's talking about there. And you got to go out and buy polygrip. That's no fun. All right, moving on. Is that, do they sell polygrip still? Dave, no? <laughs> the windows are your eyes growing dim in 3B. You can't see what's outside through the window, not because it's fogged up, but because you're slowly dying. You know the doors, or I am, anyway. The doors are either your hearing starts to fail or your, uh, your, you close your mouth because you're missing some grinders. <laughs> I went to the doctor. You know, he says, I, I said, I'm having some hearing problems. My wife pointed it out. <laughs> and he says, how old are you? And I said, I'm a little young for this to be happening. And, he's, and he repeated it. How old are you? And I said, 58. And he says, oh, no, that's about right. That's about right. That's young. Nobody told me this except Solomon. He's telling us, right? OK. And then he says, you rise up early when you don't want to rise up early. You don't need to set an alarm anymore because you're up with the robins singing their songs. <laughs> All right. And then he says, men no longer want to climb up ladders because they're afraid of falling and, and saying, I have fallen and can't get up. <laughs> that was way funnier than you gave me credit for. Uh, fear of heights, right? Fear of traffic. That's what the, the idea is, right? Fear of being at home alone when you're a senior citizen. It's scary now, right? Unless you have a Doberman or a gun. All right, 5B. The almond tree blossoms. It blossoms in white, and so that's uh, gray hair. If you have any left, it's going to be gray. The grasshopper dragging himself along at the end of summer. It just kind of, uh, you just drag yourself here and there. You know, you drag yourself to Denny's. Then you, <laughs> you drag yourself to Bingo. Then you drag yourself to Palm Springs. And then you die. <laughs> Send your emails to Pastor Carlin <laughs> at cctherock.org. Okay. Uh, the desires you had in youth fade away, and the desire is no longer stirred. Moving along. <laughs> Somebody just gave us TMI. Too much information. You know what? Most normal, healthy senior citizens... They're just happy to have a working thermostat and five extra blankets. <laughs> All right, so 
then he says, so the silver cord snaps, the golden bowl is shattered, the glass pitcher cracks, or the wheel at the well breaks in half, and then uh, you are in your eternal home, right? So people are going to gather together, they're going to cry, then somebody's going to say something funny and everybody will laugh, and then they'll cry again, and then there'll be a chicken dinner, and then guess what? And then guess what? People go on with their lives. That's what they do. And you're in line. So you best be thinking right now, today, of considering God, his word, the quality of your life, who you love, who you need to be loving, who you need to be hugging. What God expects of you now, today. Amen? Amen. We're wrapping it up. I do want to say this. Christians, age, old age is a blessing to believers. We do not lose heart, Paul says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Now, Moses was 80 years old when he talked to Pharaoh for the first time. 80. Age, to God, and in Christ, just a number. Caleb, Caleb was 85 when they went into the promised land. He was one of the two guys that got to survive because of his good godly attitude. And at 85, Joshua put him in the ranks. And he said, let me in there, man. Let me in there, coach, because I'm stronger now than I was in my 40s. And God just used that man and blessed him. Job says, Wisdom belongs to the aged, and there's a dignity that God gives to older people, older Christians, and he says, you stand up in their presence. That's a commandment. Rise when the aged are there. Stand to your feet, because that white crown on their head stands for a life, a godly person, a life well lived the bumps and bruises of life and you they are a treasure house a storehouse of wisdom when I need help I look for white hair I look for white hair no offense you know to you youngins but you guys don't know that much yet okay I can't make everybody happy I'll just go keep on going so death is something believers anticipate the Lord says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his loved ones. Paul says, you know what? Nero's going to kill me, but you know what? I I can't decide which I prefer, that Nero go ahead and kill me, because that's attractive to me. Philippians chapter 1, or to stay around and hang out with you guys, because I'd like to do that. But you know what? I would rather depart and be with Christ. I would rather die. He's saying, I'm torn because it's a good thing. So Christian, don't leave this place all bummed out that you're going to get wrinkles and (laughs) your grasshopper syndrome and all of that. (laughs) I love this. We'll go on and finish up. Isaiah 46, 4 says, I will still be carrying you when you're old. Your hair will turn gray and I will still be carrying you. I made you and I will carry you to safety. You want that one. Isaiah 46 and verse 4. One more. Psalm 92 says, Godly, the godly will bear fruit and flourish even in old age. They remain vital and green, declares the Lord. I love that one. All right. So lay a good foundation, you know, before you die and before it's hard to do that. Uh, lest you cry with Solomon, verse 8, meaningless, meaningless. Okay, let's finish up here. Uh, The last part, 9 through 14, there are two lessons. One lesson is learn. uh, Life is a classroom, so learn your lessons well. And the second lesson in the short little paragraph is life is stewardship, so fear God. All right, so uh, let's take a look at it, and we're done with Ecclesiastes. Not only was the teacher wise, But also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher 
searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads, those sharp pokers. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails (laughs) given by one shepherd, the God of Israel is called the great shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, of making many books. There's no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard, 12 chapters of this. Here's my conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commands. This is the whole duty of man. A little dry, a little dry. You know, he doesn't have the gospel fully, but he knows the right thing to do. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. So he closes out with a a shout to the credibility of the author. So he's trying to say, these are just not some pessimistic ramblings of some dude who lived a long time ago. He's going to say, the truth, hard to swallow as it has been, is, has been laid out for you faithfully. It's well organized. It's true. It may be abrasive to you, but it came at great personal cost and effort from Solomon. Now, is Solomon kind of tooting his own horn here? People say, yeah, he, he, he's just talking third person, and because he has to say something uh, affirming of the divine inspiration, uh, he's talking in third person. Or a narrator editor could be tagging this on but I think it's Solomon so he's saying like Paul did he he spoke in third person about himself and so he's saying listen the truth that I just laid out in 12 chapters it should be like poking you keep your keep do not let distance develop between you and God stay close be in the word love the Lord obey him because you want to avoid a wasted life There's nothing worse than walking on the fence and and having too much of the world to enjoy God and and too much of God to enjoy the world. He's saying, just learn. Let that poke you, everything that I've been sharing. And the source is God, the one true shepherd of Israel. To ignore or neglect the book of Ecclesiastes is to do so at your own peril. And then he says in verse 12, don't go searching all over the place at the expense of the Bible. There's books and books and more books and books and books and books. And everybody wants to write a book. Uh, And everybody has written a book. And those who haven't written a book want to read a book or want to write a book and read a book. And he's saying, listen, you're wasting your time. That's what he's saying. When you've got the word of God, Read the word of God, obey the word of God, uh, and uh, books can be helpful. But he's saying not at the expense of the word of God. And so uh, he goes on to say, now, so that was life as classroom. Learn from the word of God. Let it kind of hurt you in the right way and keep you on the straight and narrow path. And then finally, last two verses of Ecclesiastes, life is a stewardship. Life is, uh, your life is on loan to you. (laughs) Wow, that's a good thought. Are you an embezzler? An embezzler is somebody who takes what doesn't belong to them and spends it the way they want and steals it, right? You don't belong to you. Well, this this wasn't your idea to be here. You appeared because somebody thought you up, created you, sustained you, knit you together in the womb, put life in you, and said, you're mine. You just have to, that's what he's saying here. So he's saying, uh, okay, here's the big finish. He said, yes, he's skeptical. Yeah, he's cynical. Yes, he's pessimistic. Yes, fatalistic and confused. But he knows God is real. And he's going to end by saying, listen, he's revealed his word. Uh, Learn from my mistakes. Uh, He's given instructions. He expects you to obey. And it's for your good. It's for your good. So there's only one reasonable response. Revere God. Fear him in in a healthy way. Obey him. Because one day, he says, your life is going to be an open book. Your thoughts, your words, your deeds... You will go there. You will get there. You will stand before a throne. I will too. 
and he's going to have your whole life in review. So he says, live in a way that you want that to go well. So if you're living today and you're thinking of the day when everything will be laid out, even though you don't perish at the end of the Christian judgment, you will either gain reward or lose reward and forfeit reward. So that's important to keep in mind. And then he closes up really with this idea of uh, what Hebrews chapter 4 says. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and exposed before his eyes, the one to whom we must give an account. So, my friends, live in such a way that you will put a smile on your face when you're standing before God. Uh, But that includes tonight. See? That includes on your way home. That includes when your wife says something that irritates you or your husband says something that irritates you. And all of that, life, live the way you want it to be played back to you. One last thing. You know when you watch a Christmas video and from the 80s and you just start thinking, what was I thinking, right? With what I was wearing, couldn't I have remembered oh, what I was wearing? Why didn't I fix my hair? Blah, 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 blah. And now everybody's watching me, and you're embarrassed. You're like, you know, did, couldn't I figure out that people are all going to be sitting around watching the family video? And I didn't, you know, and then you say something stupid, and you're like, ah, oh, you know. The video's going to be played, and angels are going to be watching, Right? So live in such a way now, today, that when the video is rolling, you're not going, oh, what was I thinking? Why not say that? Why did I respond like that? Amen? Amen. All right, four takeaways. Life is risky. Number one, risky business, but step out in faith. Number two, life is short. It moves quick. Lay that foundation now. Seize the day and enjoy your life. Three, life is a classroom. Learn. Learn. Four, life is alone. Stewardship. One day you'll give an account. So fear God and do the right thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace to finish a couple chapters tonight. Thank you for the patience of your people. Thank you, Lord, for the truths and the 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 uh, the. Uh, the just the, the hard realities that we faced week after week and the truth that has come to set our hearts free. We thank you for all your good blessings. In Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.